back to the Power and Lifting Podcast. I'm your host, Solana Lewis, and today, me and my co-host, Kristen Dunsmore, dive into what we wish we knew as beginner powerlifters. I think this is a perfect topic to start 2024 out with, just some basic tips and ideas that we have about how to be more successful faster when it comes to your powerlifting career early on. Whether you've never competed before or you've done like maybe one meet, but you're still pretty new to it, I think this episode would really help you out. And also we reflect on what we did as beginner powerlifters and what we specifically are like, hmm, probably could have done better if I had done this. So fun episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. If you guys are at avid listeners of the Power and Lifting Podcast, please do leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating. If you're on Spotify, you can leave us a rating. We really appreciate it. You can also support the podcast with the link in the show notes. And let's go ahead and dive into today's episode. All right, y'all. I'm here with my official co-host, Kristen Dunsmore. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! It's 2024. <laughs> like, when did when did that happen? It was just tw- it was January 2023 last week. It feels <laughs> like <laughs> I know, and like so much has happened in the year. Like, if you really look at powerlifting, I feel like this was the most drama this past year. Yeah, I feel like that's every year, but there's definitely it seemed there there was always something to talk about on a weekly basis. Something was always going on. Yes, that's what I'll say. I mean, obviously, like, when the split actually happened in 20... What, 22? 2021. 2021. 2022. Okay, 2021. That was obviously... It was basically last last month. That's how I feel. I'm like, wait, how long has it been? What's going on? I'm still confused. Like... Last month. In 2021. (laughs) And I'm thinking, like, yo, like, I started prowling at 19. I'm about to turn 28. So what well, year is that? Baby. Nine years ago? Yeah. 2024 now. Is that 2016? <laughs> I can't count. 16. Oh gosh. Yeah, 2016. I've been proud since 2016. 2016. So it's just weird that it's 2024. <laughs> wow. So actually I started competing in 2014. So in my first official powerlifting meet was end of January. 2014 so I will be officially have on and off competing for the past 10 years like wow (laughs) just to age myself (laughs) but hey that's what makes you a veteran in the sport that's why you're so I was I was 24 when I started wow yeah it's so weird to me I was a teenager technically like I was but it's like I was almost 20 (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's just and again these past 10 years it's been a lifetime if you know it, I mean a lot has happened since then but it also feels like yesterday I know so I weird know. so weird. it's one of those news <laughs> reflection moments where you're like oh god like yay but like like obviously you have two options right you can die or keep living but you look back like I'm old <laughs> I feel like COVID aged me by five years just in that one year time span, it was like normal. And then anything after that, it just like, I don't, I don't know what's happened since then. <laughs> I feel like because COVID was like the blip of life, everything is now, was it pre or post COVID? Like exactly. That's how you yeah. define time zones, like time yeah. stamps, I guess. And like, yeah, exactly. 
All right, Slana, so what are we speaking about this week? What we wish we knew as beginner powerlifters. So what would I tell 2014 Kristen Dunsmore? Or what would you tell 2016 Solana Lewis, a.k.a. Solana Lifts? Yeah, Solana Lifts. (laughs) We were talking about this before we turned the mics on, y'all. Like, no one ever says Solana Lewis. Like... (laughs) And no one knows my last name. <laughs> it's just Solana Lewis. Yeah. And so when we speak about other people, I'm like, wait, who is that? Because I only know everyone by their Instagram handle. And so everyone, when people talk to me, they're like, hey, Chris. And I'm like, uh, and I've gotten used to it at this point, but that's Chris only became my name once I moved to California. And once I started lifting, I never had that nickname before. And I think ah. it's just because my Instagram handle is Christy. And I've had that since I think I started Instagram and I actually tried to change my name at one point, my handle, and then I just looked too weird. I didn't like it. So I had to change it back. You're lucky no one stole it in that like time that you changed it. Actually, so someone does have my handle, my my name. So I had to put a, a period or something in between. And I've been trying to get that taken care of since then because it's obviously a fake troll account because it's my image and my photos oh. uh, and I've tried to report it for I mean it's been there for like three years and nothing's yeah <laughs> nothing has changed Wait, <laughs> and I'm pretty year. sure okay I'm pretty sure my mom follows that page too and I'm like mom what is she doing <laughs> you know she doesn't she know what the hell she's doing <laughs> I know I gotta love her uh one last thing before we start okay you're talking about knowing handles. So one time I did a whole episode, I think it was on my own podcast with someone. We were doing a preview show before I was with Two White Lights. And do you know, well, you might not, Kay Swole, that's her Instagram handle. Yes. Um. Okay, so- Sam Calhoun's lifter. Yes, well, she was, they're good friends and people think that's okay. her lifter. So you're talking about the right, the right person, but she has a different coach. Um, but she's from Virginia. And, uh, and I don't know her name. I know Kay Swole. Okay, so yes. So her name is Kenia, right? Okay. And I had never heard her name. So we did a whole previous show. Girl, I'm talking about this Kenia person as a girl who I've never met and just impressed by her numbers, not connecting it. And then in my mind, I'm thinking, <laughs> why isn't Kate competing? Yeah. <laughs> and I did a whole episode and someone reached out to me like, actually, you talk a lot about Kenia and how impressed you were with, like her numbers and stuff. But uh, it's Kate Swole. Like, that's who it is. Like, you, yeah. you think you never met her, but like you met her, done a podcast with her. We've seen pictures <laughs> of you together. I was like, yo, I didn't know her name at all. Like, Kenia and Kay, I, I, mm-mm. Nope. <laughs> so that was my worst moment where I was like, yo, that was embarrassing. Forget it. Um. <laughs> I mean, I've t- listen. I've been there. It's I- I'm pretty sure everyone has at this point, so I wouldn't feel too bad about it. But okay, let's actually start. So, what we wish we knew as beginner powerlifters. So, I want to start with the topic of coaching. So, mm-hmm. I'm gonna let you go first on this one. Like, do you think believe you should get a coach when you're just starting? And I want to kind of frame it too. Like, this is someone who never competed, like really early on. But, like, they at least understand that they enjoy squat bench and deadlift and have been doing it for at least six months consistently. So they know they enjoy it and they want to start to train for a yeah. competition. So I'm going to go based off of my own experience because that kind of sounds like myself when I first started is I got into 
powerlifting training or at least squatting and benching and deadlifting before I ever did a meet. And I didn't have a coach. And had I talked, you know, if I could go back and tell myself, one of the things that I probably would have done is gotten a coach. And the reason that I say that is because at the time, and there still is, there's a lot of free programs and there's a lot more options now. And there's a lot of better options now. Uh, the ones when I started was like Shiko and Small Love and Westside. And if you're not, and the 531, 531, I think 531, but that wasn't one that was really on my radar. So the two okay. main ones was really Shiko and Small Love. And Small Love is the, it's an insane amount of volume. I believe even the beginner, their beginner version is four days a week of squatting. And it's like a five by seven, six by five, uh, day two is like a, I don't know, four, I remember the last day was like a 10 by three. And I think I made it two weeks before I was like, this is just insane. I, I quit. I want to kill myself. <laughs> I knew enough that I wasn't trying to die, but I didn't know better, you know, and I also didn't have the the best form, especially looking back at my videos now. So I was doing this high volume, high frequency training with subpar technique. And I wish that I had a coach to cue me uh, and, and little things, right? I mean, like uh, I've squatted, like I said, it was fine. It was too depth. It was too standard for powerlifting, but the quality of the technique was could have been better right so I would say that if your goal is to compete in powerlifting and you want to do well I always recommend a coach whether you're a new lifter or even an elite lifter even the best lifters in the world have a coach so if you want to go anywhere with powerlifting I would 100% recommend having coaching I like that I I'm mostly err on the side of yes to getting a coach early my own experience was I mean I got a coach right away basically I've been lifting for a year like not powerlifting, but just like got in the gym for the first time in my life for a year having an athlete my whole life but I never lifted or like I'm talking like couldn't do a push-up like no one told me what a lunge was I just was running all the time and doing volleyball <laughs> yeah really thinking about it. I should have done the weight room for a track would have helped me a lot but anywho um so I did like randombodybuilding.com that was my jam I would google workouts and just do it and I would also follow Sarah Bomer who is I don't know if you know what that is but she makes Bomer nutrition so she's like really big with like making supplements and stuff and she was okay. just a woman who looked fit I just I had never seen a woman with muscle who wasn't either I just pictured like bulky woman or scrawny woman and she was just beautiful in between I was like yo yeah that's I like that yes. <laughs> um yes do you know Jamie Eason I don't so she was uh big back in, in back in my day <laughs> uh, so my source of nutrition and training was bodybuilding.com and there was this woman her name was well is Jamie Eason and she was uh kind of what you just described is she wasn't she wasn't like she wasn't skinny and she wasn't the the traditional uh bodybuilding 
physique that I think a lot of women might misinterpret as, well, if I lift weights, this is what I'm going to look like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that was honestly my viewpoint too, was of course. This, if I lift, I'm going to look like this bodybuilder that, yeah. Because <laughs> it's so easy to gain muscle. Yeah. I've been doing it for 10 years. I wish I had more, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, now that you've been training, you're like, oh, I couldn't even look like that if I tried. I tried. Like, <laughs> I would need some extra help that's not legal yeah. moderation. But anywho, <laughs> uh, my point is, after that year of just lifting, I got in, like, I was introduced to what powerlifting was, and I immediately got a coach. I was like, I want to compete in it, and that was just first thing across my mind. And I mm -hmm. won't pretend like this was, like, the best coach ever, but for someone who didn't know anything, he did get me through my first meet. And it went really well. And I came, I came into it knowing, understanding like the meat, like understanding the squat to depth, bench press. My lips were hideous. I won't, I'm not going to lie to y'all. Like technique help is a major reason to start out with coaching. And I needed a lot of work for my technique after I left as coach. Um, but it doesn't change <laughs> the fact that he gave me a program and I had someone there to push me and help me and like at least guide me to get into like, my first meet and I got to the meet and like it went great and I wasn't confused and like oh huh squat where do I go like you know like the first meet like I go to first meets all the time as a referee and I see people just looking like locked puppies I'm like I can't save you I'm refereeing but my god you're about to bomb out because I said you have to unrack the bar before I give you the squat command you staring at me for 45 seconds I'm not going to say anything to you like <laughs> you have to unrack <laughs> the bar i can't just start teaching you what to do here so you know what i mean just oh. basic stuff like that too like truly just get a coach early i'm really big on that yeah my only other thing is like i don't disagree with like hey there are free programs ran by coaches who are really intelligent coaches i'm not against you getting a free program to get you through your first meet in the context of like i have friends who have done this you're at a powerlifting gym with people who know what they're doing. And like, you kind of have like that community that's like kind of teaching you along the way. And so you like, yeah. you know, and you have a friend like, I'll, I'll get you to your first meet. Like I'll literally handle you. And you know, I've done seven meets before. So like you kind of have an environment where it's like, Hey, I want to see if I like this. I'm following a program. My friends are telling me what depth is. My friends are helping me out. You might still need a lot of technique help. So eventually I'll always say get a coach. But for the first meet, if you have that beautiful, perfect environment and friends, to get to your first meet, that's not the worst thing ever. And that will help you discover if competing is fun for you. So there's kind of a give and take here where I'm not completely anti not having a coach. But if you just in a wreck, you know, Planet Fitness, trying to figure it out with Google, <laughs> my God, you're going to have a rough yeah. time. And you might just hate the sport because you just are going about it the longest, slowest way possible. Yeah. And I really like the fact that you brought up um, the kind of gym because... I do like that you said that as being in a powerlifting specific gym where you are surrounded by lifters who probably have more experience and can at least give you um, maybe if their their expertise is not coaching, they still understand the sport. They understand technique. Uh, and yeah, in that case, maybe you can have a program and then working alongside friends and fellow lifters on the, the more the nuance and the the technical aspect. Uh, so I really like that. And so I think that you that leads you to your next question is what kind of gym and do you need to lift in a powerlifting gym if you mm -hmm. want to compete in powerlifting? What do you think? So I say, especially again, we're talking about new people. If you have the opportunity, which you probably do, because 20 
2024, y'all, and now I can throw a quarter and hit five powerlifting gyms. If that opportunity is there, make the investment. I'm sure that gym is more expensive than Crunch, but it's worth it because number one, you get to experience like the actual bars with the sharper knurling, the kilo place, which I don't care what anyone says. If you have the option to lift a kilo place, do it. I always say that. I don't care. People are like, oh, you can train at any gym. Like, yes, you can for powerlifting. You can. If you don't have the option to use kilos, then yeah, don't, I wouldn't say then don't compete ever just sit at home. <laughs> but like yeah. kilos feel so different. Using a competition rack is so different. Like if you can train with that, it's 10 times better. And then you get the environment. And as a woman to be around other female powerlifters, that's huge. Because I didn't have that for my first three years. 2016, there was no, like, there was, like, eight polishing gyms near me now that I can drive within 45 minutes. There was zero. I was really? at 24-hour fitness. Yes. Wow. Men and women stared okay. like I was crazy because I had 225 on the bar for deadlift. Like, like people walking up to me, like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, it was, I'm happy I had an in-person coach because I would have been so uncomfortable I wouldn't have made it, I think. Like, I hated being stared at. No one was near me. All the women were at the yeah. five-pound dumbbell section or on the treadmill. All of them. Yeah. All of them. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> you know, like, I say do it. The environment is worth it. The extra money is worth it. The gym costs 100 bucks. Look at your budget. Y'all, are you at Chipotle every week? Are you at Starbucks every week? Like, really? <laughs> like, I hate, sorry, it's like a pet peeve sometimes. Someone says they can't afford, like, a piloting gym. But, like, I know that person goes out to eat every other day with their pausing friends. I'm like, really? Mm -hmm. So, yes, yeah. 100%. If you can do it, do it, hands down. Yeah. So, I will counter that with, yes, I do think that if you have an opportunity to compete in a gym, by all means, that doesn't mean that you have to. Um, I, when I first started, I, it was a, I didn't compete train at a powerlifting gym but it did have it was a strength gym at least had deadlift platforms you were allowed to use chalk um it had racks I think it actually did have a uh actually I lied so that was the second gym the the gym that I went to beforehand it was called Aspen and it's similar to like an LA fitness and I was training out of that for a long time and that was where I did my first meet um, but once I switched over to a strength training gym, it was like night and day. So I would say that, um, do you need a powerlifting gym? The answer is no. Um, but if you really want to take it seriously and become bougie, you know, whenever I go to a, a, a commercial gym, I'm like, oh, I have to squat on the commercial bench. Oh my God. <laughs> that is so Oh, this bars. It's so horrible. It's so soft. I can't deadlift in this because there's no. And yep. so <laughs> I become I become that bougie person who's like, oh, these these weights have these 45 pound plates have these little like the rubber holes in them. And oh, my God. <laughs> um, and then I sit there and I'm like, Kristen, seriously, like, come on, you're fine. You can you know, you can you're on vacation. You can train a day in a, a commercial gym so you can make it work um and I've, I'm pretty sure that uh oh gosh now, now I'm gonna draw a blank um Chandler Babb okay oh yeah that's a good example where she she was um I mean she's not competing at the moment but when she was competing she was training uh in a 
she was squat so the rack squatting (laughs) in uh the rack height because it wasn't adjustable um so she would squat on what do they call like those steps like the plyo steps yeah Yeah. and then so she would be squatting on these plastic steps and then she was going to compete in Sheffield so you can definitely make it work (laughs) but you're yeah it's going to be less than ideal but it's people have competed in subpar gyms and they've done extremely well so 100% I mean I always I always say to you like my again my first three years was 24-hour fitness like with the place yeah. that they didn't even have round plates y'all you know how it's like to deadlift with the stupid little octagonal oh, plates plate. that like uh, whatever x <laughs> plates and you freaking every rep the ball rolls <laughs> and then you so have like, all these bruises on your shins because you, know? you drop the bar and then it yeah <laughs> it hits you and like doing that I mean, my first meet was RPS, but doing that, I won my first meet at RPS and like broke their records. And then mm-hmm. I I used that gym to do my first USAPL meet, which got me into nationals. And I used that same gym to do my first nationals and I got second. But because the first place junior aged out, I got to go to Worlds. And I did all of that at a commercial gym. And then mm-hmm. training for Worlds, I was back and forth between a powerlifting gym that had no kilos, but still was like better bars and the environment was cool, that chalk and stuff. I was between that and Equinox. Mm-hmm. And we know Equinox is not, well, actually, they're all different, but Equinox is like the one I was that was very much regular gym. And like I won worlds, like I trained yes. mostly there. So, like, it's 100% doable. I'm definitely bougie AF now. Um, it's <laughs> truly so bougie. Like, I went to Crunch Gym this week to do accessories only because New Year's Day my gym was closed and I was annoyed. And I was like, my attitude is so sad. Like, this is so annoying. Like, I was annoying myself by being annoyed because I was like, it wasn't even the people. I'm really chill about people. I was like, yo, this equipment, ew. Like, <laughs> I was so mean. Like, I know. And then uh, everyone, because everyone's squatting facing the mirror. And then oh, I always, yes. whenever I go and I face in the other direction and people are looking at me like I'm an alien and it's like, what are you doing? You're facing the wrong way. And I'm like, I know, but I'm doing it on purpose. It's really, yo, it's hard. <laughs> I have a hard time squatting in front of a mirror. And I had to do that last month because my piloting gym had the piloting section and that section was closed off for a day. So I went to like, the, yeah. and even our, our quote unquote regular section is very nice, but like, it's just in front of mirrors. And I was like, okay, we're going to do it. Y'all like, tell me how mm. everything moves slower because I'm staring, I'm like trying to figure out where to look. And it was messing me up. I'm like, I yeah. am pathetic. I am actually pathetic. <laughs> and I always watch myself in the mirror and I'm like, oh, my knee looks off. Oh, my hip. And I'm like, <laughs> trying to fix it. <laughs> Mid breath. Oh, my knee out. <laughs> Like, look at that squat face oh <laughs> the worst oh my god okay so overall my overall consensus was if you have access to the gym go to the parking gym you're saying you can do it without parking gym but still we appreciate it's, yeah i will say stuff. too just because powerlifting has gotten it's increased in popularity especially post-covid mm-hmm. it feels like that uh it's become much more competitive and maybe getting away where something where you could train on commercial 
type equipment maybe is going to become a bigger factor, especially for more advanced lifters who are trying to make it to worlds where, uh, I mean, it's, it's becoming extremely competitive and something as much as like even half a kilo difference can make or break whether or not you place for first or second, Mm. you know? So it's just these, these little things that are becoming of greater importance to quote unquote, optimize your performance in the gym I hate using that name same I say maximize because it sounds better it doesn't bother me as much I like that (laughs) um so next topic I want to go into fine equipment so I'll start with this one overall the idea of just like as a brand new powerlifter who hasn't done a first meet yet like do you need to buy all the stuff and I feel like I might surprise you if I answer I am not against people who are really early on buying the equipment early um you know buying the knee seats and buying the belt I think you don't have you don't have to have wrist wraps but if you want them I'm not against you getting them and like buying you know a powerlifting shoe I think a lot of people kind of go with the the route of like just learn how to squat bench and deal at first and I'm 100% with that too like you need to understand form and technique that's why I say you should get a coach like if you're relying on the belt to save your back because you don't understand how to brace, then okay, maybe don't use the belt yet. If you're relying on knee sleeves, to like enzers to like fa- save your squat because you're weak, you know what I mean? Like, okay, right. that's a different story. But overall, and especially if you do have a coach who's teaching how to use the equipment, it's even better. But I'm not against people buying the sleeves, the belt, the stuff, like when they decide, hey, I want to do my first meet someday. Like, Getting used yeah. to that equipment early can help you versus, oh, you have to be really good in this particular strong squat and this weight before you get to the knee sleeve. And I've had a lot of athletes come to me who are brand new, who want to do a meet, but like they might be like, oh, I wanted my first meet like six or eight months, Lana. I'm like, that's great. That's cool. And they like, I have a hard time getting them to want to buy equipment because they're like, oh, I'm not strong enough for it. I don't need it yet. I'm like, I hear you, but like the knee sleeve could really help us out a little. Like, your squat form yeah. technique has gotten really, really good at this point. Let's just build it. Don't you want the sleeves? Like, why not? Like, and people think they may over rely on them. I, I hate that word. You said you hate the word optimize. I hate over rely. Stop pretending like <laughs> wearing a belt is going to make it. So if you take the belt off, you turn into a limp noodle. If you squat and deadlift, like you're not <laughs> over reliant. Yes, it helps you. It helps. It gives you something to brace against. It's gonna literally probably add kilos to your total right away to be blunt if you had no belt before that's not over reliance we're in a sport about lifting the maximum amount of weight so stop pretending you're gonna over rely on it over reliance equals without this belt my my back will snap because i don't know what the hell i'm doing that's relying okay cool that's all i have to say your turn Uh, so just to talk about the belt really quickly, and then I'll go back into my thoughts is I think a lot of the misconception about a belt is that it's going to make your core weak if you over rely on it too much. And I think I actually made a post about this, uh, relatively recently about a study comparing beltless and belted training. And if there is a difference in muscle activation, um, performance any um and then if there's like a uh like is it going to make your your core weak if you rely on a belt and the answer is no uh when they did do emga uh on the the ab the core area so i think it was um the obliques and of course the abdominals 
uh, and, and the erectors, and there was no significant differences. Um, I think wearing a belt had greater slightly, and I don't know if this was significant abdominal activation, whereas maybe wearing a belt, and this could be backwards, I don't, I don't have this study on me, um, had greater oblique activation compared to without. Uh, and it, like I said, could be the other way around. But other than that, there was no difference. And so as far as um, wearing a belt, every session and never, almost never training beltless is not going to have an impact on training or core strength. Um, but again, it might be like a, a mental thing where say you forget your belt in a gym or sorry, if you forget your belt at home while you're training and you have to squat without a belt, it can be kind of like a mental mind fuck just because you're so used to having this and then not having it is like, it just can be like, you know, mentally difficult. So um, as far as like any physical difference, there's obviously aside from performance and being able to increase, um, increase pressure, it's not going to make your core weak. Any sort of reliance is going to be mostly mental. Uh, so with that said, going back to the kind of equipment, uh, so the only equipment that you actually need that are required in order to compete in a meet is going to be a singlet. Um, I mean, general shoes, you could wear running shoes technically if you want to, and I've seen people compete in them. Uh, not that I would typically recommend it. It's obviously not ideal for squatting or any sort of lifting, but it's it's allowed. It's a shoe. You just can't be barefoot. Uh, and then high knee socks for deadlifting. And that's more of like a, a hygiene issue. So if you scratch the bar and it bleeds that you're not getting blood all over the bar. Um, so those are technically the only requirements in order to compete so you don't have to have a belt you don't have to have knee sleeves you don't have to have wrist straps but those are obviously recommended especially if you want to perform at your best uh, and if your goal is to you know hit as much weight as you possibly can within the rules then obviously having that equipment is going to be helpful but again at the end of the day it's not a requirement but I would definitely Highly, highly recommend getting them as soon as possible, especially something like a belt, uh, especially because there is a, a learning curve to it, just learning how to to brace. And it does, um, you know, require a little bit of practice. So I would not recommend getting a belt. And then the first time using it is in a meet. I'm happy you mentioned. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy you mentioned the actual requirements for me today. Um, but yeah, I'm happy that you mentioned like what's actually required on meet day, like mm -hmm. as in what you need to do for equipment check. And then also right. just mentioning that like there's a learning curve because I didn't think about that. Like, yes, there is a learning curve. Like I, I even told a, a lifter of mine yesterday because she was like, oh my gosh, I tried a 10 millimeter belt for the first time for my deadlift and it felt so good. I was like, girl, mm -hmm. you're five weeks out though. So if you're going to buy one. That sounds cool, but if you buy it and it comes in two weeks, like don't I don't think you should use it for our meet. That's three weeks later, like that's a little right. too short. And like it's literally not just a learning curve, but like the last time I bought a new belt a long time ago, I had bruises. Like those belts, you need to break them in. I, now I don't know about other brands, but like I had to break my belt in. Like yeah. day one hurt, day two hurt, and then two weeks later I was good. But I was like, yo, I yeah. ruined my body. <laughs> 
That is also, I didn't even think of that as just trying to break in because I've had belts uh, that have left bruises on my ribs as I was getting used to them. And yeah, the last thing you want to do is be in pain the day of your meet just because yeah. your belt hasn't been broken in yet. So yeah. <laughs> so that was fair. Good <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I would say it's really just a belt for that because I feel like knee sleeves, you can adjust pretty fast well you know what that's a lie because we now have like these super strict <laughs> knees now so forget what i said regular schmegular knee sleeves <laughs> actually have a stiff sleeve Oof. yeah well even learning how to i think there's a skill to putting knee sleeves on so you can't just like take knee sleeves and and i've had to like youtube them there are youtube videos on how to get your knee sleeves on and off and that's a skill in and of itself so yeah I would say uh I would definitely practice beforehand before, at least before you do the meet if you're going to compete in equipment to make sure that you at least have it and are training in it beforehand nice yes I completely agree do you want me to go, Can downstairs? You go somewhere else yeah <laughs> okay okay so I think all right I want to talk about new powerlifters following accounts on Instagram because mm -hmm. I see the benefit, especially today with like the resources and stuff people put out, certain accounts that are more educational can be very helpful. It might be, you know, information overload, but still they can be helpful and give you tweaks. Like accounts like even yours, like I love your carousels, um, Steve yeah. and Novi. I love your carousel. I read them every time I'm like, oh. yo, like, I'm like, I'm slacking because <laughs> this is like really good. <laughs> so to be fair, uh, Alfred, do you know Alfred? Uh, he's from Reformance Training, I, so him and I have yeah, I know of him. been collab. Okay, so he owns Reformance, and I am not, my area of expertise is not marketing, is not graphic design, anything like that. So him and I came up with this uh, agreement that, so if you see my post now, he does all of the designs, and I just create the, get all of the content, and then he makes it pretty. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And so it's been really helpful for me just because that's not, I don't enjoy making content like that. It's just, it's too time consuming. I'm not great at it. It takes me two days to complete. Um, so yeah, we do it together. So uh, with that said, I would say that I like mine, of course. Uh, my, my content is definitely more, I guess, scientific and uh highly reliant on uh like studies that have come out um and that might be a little too much for some people I try to make it for everyone to understand but um you know if, if I understand the content um my mother may not so much so um I would say yeah myself for more like I don't use evidence-based but more research <laughs> science-based yeah place. like um, I love like when you quote studies I'm like yo that's not my content I did not quote studies I'll be out here yeah. like do your accessories people like you yeah. want the deep stuff like be my client like that's how I am <laughs> and Steve uh and the whole powerlifting now I think they do a good job of kind of like an in-between where they have an evidence-based mindset but they're not using like we're based off of this study you should be doing this uh, they kind of use a, a combination of, well, this is kind of what the, you know, I think with Steve DeNovi's uh, 
his fatigue single. And I actually sent a, a message about this because I think it's a really great idea and it makes sense, right? But of course, like there hasn't been any research done on it yet. So mm-hmm. um, he's just going off of, well, this is kind of what makes sense to me. Um, it's worked very well for my athletes. But again, there's no evidence to really back it up. And then what happens is science kind of comes in and says, oh, well, let's do this and see if it, you know, if it um, actually works on on paper. And I mean, assuming that it does, but he um, is very, I really like that he's forward thinking in that way um, where he kind of goes beyond evidence-based and he's kind of, uh, I would say pushing the boundaries a little bit if that makes sense. Um, so he's uh, in powerlifting now in general is I think would be a great account or even just the the platform itself. Cause it's, they provide content, but they also offer paid uh, like a subscription based content, uh, which is kind of an in-between of, uh, you know, case studies and working with their own athletes and kind of what's the current science says. Yeah. I agree with that. I like that a lot, especially also another good account to like the Swole Fesser, which is Marcellus from Podcasting Now, but his YouTube, mm-hmm. like I like how he just breaks stuff down and explains like, he might explain like, oh, how these back accessories really helped with something. Just like, he really puts it in a way it's really easy to understand. Mm-hmm. So I like the, that kind of content. Um, So yeah. I feel like it can be really beneficial to follow certain accounts that are more educational based. And then I know one thing, though, when it comes to being your powerlifter, how do you get into it? You found someone who looked really cool and you're like, oh, my gosh, look at like Amanda Lawrence. Like, how, how much weight is she lifting? And that's really awesome. And like, I love that she posts her lift. If you're mostly following like Russ Roll and Amanda and like other people who are just really, really big and just kind of post like their lift, you might start to want to copy their form. Because you're not mm-hmm. trying to educate yourself. You know, you're just like looking at your favorite lifters. So that's where I want to be more weary with the newer powerlifter. Make sure that if you find someone who you're a fan of, that's amazing. Don't try to literally copy what they look like. Like try, if you're going to try to learn from Instagram at all, go for the person who's trying to actually educate. And like they have athletes who you can see are doing well and you're successful. So that you're like, oh, mm-hmm. this actually can make some sense. I actually would find, um, and I, I like that you said, like following these popular accounts and not that it's, it's bad or anything, um, but they're obviously elite lifters and you don't want to mimic their programming because their programming is highly specific or as it should be to them. Um, and then even that goes as far as some of the most popular coaches are not necessarily the best coaches. They just have the most popular lifters per Mm se um and then sometimes you see that uh you know well this is so-and-so's coach so I want to work with that coach because they coach this person and I would actually say that yes it's probably you know a great way to market but a great coach is going to be someone who kind of takes someone like a novice lifter and makes them a great power lifter or at least um not make them but assist them and so seeing like meg scanlon and not that she was by any means when she started a novice lifter but she started working with kelly from perform motion 
uh, I believe is their company. And Meg, Meg Scanlon was already a great lifter, right? No one's going to argue that she's won. Did she win nationals before? I don't she was definitely a top lifter. Oh, see, I don't quite remember Kai. I remember her getting second after she had her twins. And like somehow I'm like forgetting everything that happened post three twins. Yeah. Oh no, well she went to Worlds before that though. So she yeah, she, she did go to twins. Worlds, yes. So the first time I ever met her was when we we competed at the 63 together. So it was me, uh Jen Thompson, Sam Calhoun, and then Meg Scanlon. Those were like kind of the four of us at the time. And then she dropped down to 57. Um, and then she won 57, competed at Worlds, and I think placed second at Worlds behind Maria T, who was a Canadian mm -hmm. lifter. And so she was by no means a beginner lifter. She was arguably a great elite lifter. She started working with Kelly from Perform Motion, and she made this great lifter a phenomenal lifter, right? To the point where she's squatting, I don't know, I want to say 10 or 15 kilos more than her max. Um, I mean, obviously, she went up a weight class, but she's putting on, you know, we say that elite lifters, if you put two and a half kilos on any of your lifts, that's a huge deal, Right. Mm -hmm. And she's putting five, 10, 15 kilos on some of her lifts. So um, I think that's an indication of a great lifter. And even you, because I mean, you've been working with um, your coach for several years now, but you worked with your previous coach for a while and you did pretty well, you said, leading up to that point. And then yeah. you started working with your co current coach and he just made you like from a good lifter to a great lifter so I think that's a better indication of a, a good coach than just all these popular I hate saying clout lifters but that's clout lifters who are just strong and they just post their really good gym lifts thank you Brad for all you've done for me but yeah 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 yes 100 correct like shout out to brad, so, <laughs> shout out to is brad integrative strength Inter <laughs> yes integrative it is strength? Integrative okay. strength. um but yeah no those are really good points like overall the gist is if you're looking at people for people to look up to just be wary and make sure that you're looking at people who are posting educational stuff if you're seeing your your favorite lifter that's cool copying them may not be the best idea if you're looking for a coach i have a whole episode and maybe two actually <laughs> about looking for a coach i'm gonna link in the show notes um, didn't we do an episode on finding a coach we talked about i don't know if that was the entire episode but we definitely talked about like what to look for when looking for a coach in a sure. coach yeah and that was mm -hmm. a recent podcast it was so yeah i'll tag it below or post it in the show notes because the, like i definitely think you should look at look at their athletes and see how they're doing. And if you can, like, if you are someone like me, now I've been in sports for a long time, so I can talk, I can, like, DM people, they'll know who I am. Like, before Brad, I didn't really have to ask around because he had handled me before at meets, but I did ask a couple people, like, hey, like, how do you like him as a coach? Like, and it's not just like, hey, I've seen him get stronger, but I'm like, is he responsive? Is he on time? Does he communicate well? Like, ask those questions. You can look at the, the biggest 
coach in the world and he's got a million athletes that could mean he may That's not a... spend a lot of time talking to you that could mean that yeah. or it could be someone like marcellus who has 80 clients and somehow manages to be on top of every single one <laughs> does he have 80 clients he has 80 clients and i'm not kidding oh I'm ta- i mean i'm friends with so many of his clients and i don't mean like the the top one i'm friends with clients of his who people don't know her name and they're like yep no always on time always talking to me always getting back to me on time i'm like oh my god god bless you but he's just just a special kind of person and i will never be that (laughs) i can oh my gosh i have i i cap myself at 40 yo my cap is like my well i kind of made it 30 again but it was 35 and i was like you know i got like 30 (laughs) like literally that's me i'm like but at least you're honest you know and then if you you know that having any more in that of than that that you probably wouldn't be able to give the quality coaching that your athletes deserve and I think that's important than the other coach who's just gonna take on as many clients as they possibly can um because they want you know more clients is more more intake uh and that kind of, you know, at, at that point, the quality of coaching might go down at the expense of having more clients. And so, yeah, but if, yeah, Marcel is having 80 and if he's great and he can handle it, and it's probably his focus, right? Like I it's have insane. school, like, I, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's crazy. I'm, and I know maybe once I am graduated from school and I can focus a hundred percent, maybe I could take on more. Um, but I know myself and I said, if I have 80, if I were to have 80 clients in this moment, I know that they would not have quality coaching, you know, you're so. like, you're like 45 of them ain't getting the response. <laughs> then 45, I'm going to be late on 45 people and they're going to not, you know, not like me. So, yeah. <laughs> Love it. So, yeah. That's all I had. Anything else cross your mind about? what you would tell your your 2014 self what would I tell my 2014 self um so the only other thing that I would add if we're just going off of that is kind of the mindset of going into a competition and your first meet and I know that other people feel this way because I felt this way is feeling like I have to hit a certain number in order to compete and I even the athletes that I have now, they're like, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm not strong. I want to get strong first and then do a meet. And I will tell you right now that you will never going to feel strong. You are never going to feel prepared hundred percent. The only way that you are going to is if you do a meet. And I always say, just get the first meet out of the way, you know, and if that means you have no equipment and you're squatting in running shoes, <laughs> By all means, like just just do the meet, have fun, uh, get that experience, and then you know decide if you like it. And if you absolutely hate it, then buying all that equipment probably isn't going to be worth it. But if you like it, and at least now you know, and now you know to put in the the time and the effort to pursue powerlifting. So I like that. That's all okay. I got. I'll do one. <laughs> one thing I'll tell my 2016 yeah. self. Okay, so I'm not going to mention any coach's name. And honestly, if whoever, if someone thinks they know it, they probably don't. This is like a coach I had really early on who stopped coaching a long time ago. Um, If you are investing in online coaching, that coach should 
they should do everything they committed to doing. And remember, just the biggest thing I would say, remember that you are investing in them, AKA you're paying them. So if they promise you a service and they're not hitting the commitments that they literally promised you, you don't even have to apologize when you leave. You can just leave. Don't say because you feel bad. Don't say because you feel weird. You don't, you're too nervous. You can leave. Just know you can leave. Remember, you are essentially employing them in a way, right? With <laughs> giving them money. So, and then also, if yeah. they are talking to you in a way that you, that makes you feel dumb, that makes you feel dumb. If you mention it and they don't take it well, they may be, or they probably are emotionally immature. You can leave them. <laughs> like you can go. <laughs> Nothing's yeah. gonna happen if you go. And I I really wish my younger self knew that because I would have had less emotional turmoil in my young brain. Like, I don't know what to do. And the, you know the, I mean? the, the, of, the world I'm 20 years old and <laughs> yeah and the stress of leaving a coach and if, if a coach has a bad reaction of you leaving like I've had clients that have left and wanted to go to other people and you know it, like it happens right they you know for whatever reason um and I'm always like you know what like okay you know I think that coaches have different personalities too and I'm not a very uh like militant coach, I'm not gonna yell at you if you, you know, you were sick a day, and then you have to move some things. I'm like, listen, you know, life comes first, where I know that some coaches are not like that. And they're like, do this at, you know, exactly as I say, and if you go off program, you are in big trouble. (laughs) (laughs) And that's just not Yeah, that's like not my personality. And if that's the type of coaching style that you want, then we probably won't be a good fit. So I like that. I like that. All right. Well, that's it for the first episode of 2024. OMG. So 2025 next week. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Like, you blink and it's New Year's again. Okay. Yeah. But always fun talking with you. We'll figure out what we're talking about next week. Maybe Hey, if y'all ever want to hear something specific, you can DM me or Chris D on Instagram and let us know what you're thinking because we love getting ideas. We appreciate that. Appreciate the listeners and y'all catch you next time on the Power and Lifting Podcast.